the Talmudim, and he says, it's right at the top of this, don't you have a saying, four more months and then the harvest? Well, what I say to you is, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're already ripe for harvest. And what I want to encourage you is that there's always someone who's ready to receive an invite. So like we had several people there who came up to us Thursday night to receive an invite. Natalie was telling me before service that her and Fred went in. Fred had to go in. We know he had to go into Sloan Kettery. We're praying for Fred for her supernatural healing and the doctors to have wisdom. But as she was there uh, praying and reading through the Psalms, she heard a couple other women talk about the Psalms, and she was able to get up and to go engage them and share with them her testimony, how God healed her of ovarian cancer. And again, there was someone that was there to hear her testimony. There's always going to be someone. We've shared in the recent months that I just went into the CVS. Someone saw my star, David, and said, oh, that's beautiful. It was an Israeli woman, and she gave me her email, and I've been in contact with her ever since. You know, Chris went to Carvel. My, besides chocolate, ice cream is my next favorite thing. So, and met a Jewish woman. So now we all need to go to that Carvel and buy ice cream from her so we can invite her. So there's always someone that we can invite. But you have to have this mindset that Yeshua said, don't say four months. Don't say, oh, there's nobody who's going to come with me. And now I know there's some of you saying this because God quickened this scripture to me this morning. Ah, but Rabbi Carol, I've invited everybody I know to invite. And they all said no. Well, I've invited a lot of people who have said no, but God quickened to me the story of Kepha and the other Talmudim who were fishing all night and caught nothing. And Yeshua came and he said, throw the net out again. And Kepha said, Yeshua, I mean, I know you're the Messiah, but I'm a fisherman and I've been fishing all night in this spot and there's not a fish here. But because you tell me to, I'm going to put it out. They put the net out and what happens? There's so many fish in the net, that it starts to break, that the other boat has to come over to pull the net in. This is what the heart of God, the heart of God is there are people out there who are not yet connected to Messiah, and they're not on their journey to get from where they are to where God wants them to be. And you are, and I are put in their life so that we can help them to make that connection and to grow into the people that God created them to be. So I want to encourage you, always have a connect card on you. Women, it's easy. You throw it in your purse. Men, it might be a little harder for you, but grab a few of them. We'll make uh, smaller ones for you. So how do you use them? Couple of, just go through this list with me. Hand them to people you meet and say, I'd love to invite you to my congregation. Ken, it's not a big deal. You're like, oh, what if they ask me questions? I can't, you know, I don't know enough of the scripture. All you're doing is saying, come join me for a special service at the congregation. That's it. And allow God to do, to do the rest. Give them out in drive through lanes as you go through the... We don't go through McDonald's that often, although the ice cream cone is pretty good at McDonald's. That's a treat, so just saying. And it's calorically pretty decent. It's a good snack for my husband. So, uh, and and uh, <laughs> hand them out there. Put a stack in your office, store, or place of work. Ask if you can stack them in the business that you're frequent. If you have a place where you go on a regular basis and you have a relationship, just say, could I put these cards here? We're having a special event at our congregation. Give them to your neighbors, friends, and coworkers. Leave them on tables at restaurants to invite your server. But leave a good tip. Do not leave that card and not leave a good tip. 
okay? Make a list of five people and go seek them out. Ask God to give you an opportunity to give them out. Give them out in the lunchroom or before class begins. This is for the students in our room. And always keep a few in your wallet, your purse, or car. So what we're going to do right now is you only have one card right now. Right now, God's going to tell you someone you're going to invite this week. I want you to get together. So you're all going to have to stand up right now. You're going to be sitting for a half an hour while I speak anyway. So get with three, at least three other people, maybe four, and you're going to pray for that person that you're going to invite this week. Okay? We call these prayer triplets. We've done this before. So preferably threes, but again, you can get more people if you want. But the purpose is to turn to someone. No one's going to bite you guys. You're all looking at me like, are you kidding me? Turn to somebody right now, three in a group, maybe four, and let's all pray. All right? Adonai, we thank you, Lord, that you have people that you desire us to invite. I thank you, Lord, that you're even quickening to our mind these people right now. And, Lord, we just pray that their hearts would be open to receive this invitation. God, that you would uh, uh, give us a, that opportunity, Lord, that you would uh, help us to seek them out, God. And when we approach them and then bring this invitation, uh, that they would say yes. God, I thank you that you desire many, many to connect to the Messiah and to get from where they are to where you want them to be, and that you want to use us as part of that process. So I pray that you would use us this week. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So uh, I expect to see lots of people next Friday night and uh, continuing in the weeks ahead because God is doing something awesome and new and great, and we're excited to be a part of it and to partner with him. Isn't it great to partner with God? Who else would you like to partner with? I mean, he's the best partner you could ever have, and he calls us to partner and co-labor with him. And so when he tells us to invite people and to go out and say, and he tells us, you know, look, the people are there ready, they're ready. So we just need to have eyes to see. So this morning we are starting a new sermon series entitled Conquering Giants. How many saw my video that I sent out? Okay, a few of you saw it? Check your email tonight, okay, uh, or you can go on Facebook on the uh, uh, Beth Emanuel website. I'm not the most talented, and it was a prefab trailer thing I used, to be honest, so it's not that I'm that creative. So, <laughs> uh, But it's talking about our new series, Conquering Your Giants. And today, uh, we're going to start this series up. So let's face it, all of us have either currently or will have in our lives these obstacles that seem insurmountable. That's what a giant represents. Mountains that seem invincible and, and giants that seem unbeatable. And through this series, we hope to equip you with the tools that you need to conquer the giants in your life. So today's message is sort of an introductory message, and it's entitled, Facing Your Giant. You see, bottom line, if we don't face our giants, we will never be able to conquer them. So we're going to be looking at a very familiar story to all of us for this message. My husband referred to it earlier as he welcomed all of that, and that is the story of David and Goliath found in Shmuel Olive, 1 Samuel 17. So I'm going to be reading a, a lengthy part of this because I want us to get the gist of the whole story, even though I know we're familiar with it. So you can follow along in your e-book or tree book or on the screen to my left. Picking up in verse 4. There came out a champion from the camp of the Pilashim named Goliath, 
from Gat, who was nine feet nine inches tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head. That's pretty tall. Now, my son's about 6'1". Fredis, how tall are you? You're taller six, six four. Gabe? 6'2". So Fredis is the tallest. Well, he's, he's over three feet taller than Fredis. Stand up, Fredis. Can I embarrass you? Of course. So three feet taller than Fredis. Think about that. That's a pretty tall dude, right? And he's a champion. So he comes out. He has this bronze helmet on his head. He wore a bronze armor plate weighing 120 pounds. That's just the bronze plate, 120 pounds. He had a bronze armor protecting his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was as big as a weaver's beam, and the iron spearhead weighed 15 pounds. That's just the head of the spear, 15 pounds. Can you imagine that? Now, we do do weights, and I do use a 15-pound on some of them. Not very many, but they're heavy, okay? So that's on the end of a spear that he's going to be throwing at someone. It weighed 15 pounds. His shield bearer went ahead of him, and he stood, and he yelled at the armies of Israel, Why come out and draw up a battle line? I'm a Pilishti, and you are servants of Shaul. So choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he can fight me and kill me, we'll be your slaves. But if I beat him and kill him, then you will become slaves and serve us. The Pilishtim added, I challenge Israel's armies today. Give me a man and we'll fight it out. When Shaul and all Israel heard these words of the Pilishti, they were shaken and terrified. Going down to verse 16. Meanwhile, the Pilishti approached with this challenge. Every morning and evening for 40 days. Yeshai, or known as Jesse, said to David, his son, Please take your brothers five bushels of this roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread. Hurry and carry them to your brothers at the camp. Also bring these ten cheeses to their field officer. Find out if your brothers are well and bring back some token from them. Shaul and your brothers with all the army of Israel are in the Elah Valley fighting the Philistine. So David got up early in the morning. He left the sheep with the helper and he took his load and set out as Yishai had ordered him. He arrived at the barricade of the camp just as the troops were going out to their battle stations and shouting the war cry. Now, this is all free stuff as God's just speaking to me now, but isn't this amazing? These men are terrified, but they're going out to battle line every morning and they're giving this war cry. But none of them are ready to go fight. Say la. Just think on that. Israel and the Pilishtim had set up their battle lines facing each other. David left his equipment in charge of the equipment guard, and he ran to the troops, went to his brothers, and asked if they were well. As he was talking with them, there came the champion. The Pilishti from Gat named Goliath from the ranks of the Pilishtim saying the same words as before, and David heard them. When the soldiers from Israel saw the man, they all ran away from him terrified. Going down to verse 32, David said to Shaul, no one should lose heart because of him. 
Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Shaul said to him, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. David answered Shaul, your servant used to guard his father's sheep. When a lion or bear would come and grab a lamb from the flock, I would go after it, hit it, and snatch the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned on me, I would catch it by the jaw, smack it, and kill it. Your servant has defeated both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has challenged the armies of the living God. Then David said, Adonai, who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the paw of this Philistine. Shaul said to David, go, may Adonai be with you. Shaul dressed David in his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and gave him his armor plate to wear. David buckled his sword on his armor and tried to walk, but he wasn't used to such equipment. David said to Shaul, I can't move wearing these things because I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Then he took his stick in his hand and picked five smooth stones from the riverbed, putting them in his shepherd's back in his bag in his pouch. Then with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. The Philistine, with his shield bearer ahead of him, came nearer and nearer to David. The Philistine looked David up and down, and he had nothing but scorn for what he saw, a boy with ruddy cheeks, red hair, and good looks. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? Is that why you're coming at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. Then the Philistine said to David, come here to me so I can give your flesh to the birds in the air and the wild animals. David answered the Philistine, you are coming at, with me, at me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I am coming at you in the name of Adonai Tzivaot, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have challenged. Today Adonai will hand you over to me. I will attack you, lop your head off, and give the carcasses of the army of the Philistine to the birds in the air and the animals in the land. Then all the land will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled there here will know that Adonai does not say by sword or spear, for this is Adonai's battle, and he will hand you over to us. When the Philistine got up, approached, and came closer to meet David, David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his back bag, took out a stone, and hurled it with his sling. It struck the Philistine in his forehead and buried itself in his forehead so that he fell down on the ground. Thus, David defeated the Philistine with a sling and a stone, striking the Philistine and killing him. But David had no sword. In his hand. Whew, what a powerful story. Amen? Selah. That in and of itself, just the story is so powerful. But God wants us to see this story. And he wants us to understand the principles here that allowed David to beat this giant. Again, we're going to talk about conquering our giants. And we're going to speak about specific ones. Next week, Rabbi Michael is going to talk about conquering fear. All right? 
But we need to know some certain principles as we go to face these different giants that are in our lives. And those are the principles I want to talk about today from this story of David and Goliath. And the first thing I want us to look at is what not to do. These are lessons that we can learn from Shaul and the army of Israel. The first thing is don't ignore your giant. Don't ignore your giant. King Shaul and the army of Israel chose to ignore Goliath. They didn't know what to do, and they were afraid. Several times in the passage I just read, it talked about how they were shaking with fear, or they were terrified. So the action they chose was to ignore this giant. Yet for 40 days, this giant kept coming out and challenging the armies of Israel and challenging the God of Israel. He wasn't going away. Friends, your giant is not going to supernaturally disappear. You cannot ignore it and hope it will go away. That's why we feel we're to have this series, and that's why in this message I am telling you, you need to face that giant. You can't ignore it. You can't just hope that it goes away. Because when you open your eyes, the giant's still going to be there, taunting you, challenging you, challenging God in your life, challenging the promises of God in your life. You have to face this giant. Don't ignore it. The second thing we see from Shaul and the army is that we cannot run from our giant. Verse 24, it says, when the soldiers from Israel saw this man... They all ran away from him terrified. Some of us want to just ignore it, even though it's standing right there in front of us taunting. Others of us try to run. So we run away from our giants, feeling that if we we run away and go to a new place, we won't have to face the giant. So we feel the answer is, let me get a new job. Because if I get a new job, I won't have to face that giant, right? Let me get a new house. Let me get a new car. Let me get a new spouse. Let me get a new whatever. We go running to something else, thinking that by removing ourselves from the situation, the giant won't be there. But I'm going to tell you, the giants follow us. Goliath wasn't going anywhere. Again, 40 days he challenged the armies of Israel. And they could run and hide all they wanted. But when they got up the next morning, guess what? That giant was still facing them. And it's the same for you and me. You can run, you can hide, you can close your eyes, you can try to ignore it. You can try to change your circumstances, change your environment. Again, there's nothing wrong with changing those things. But if you're doing it, because you don't want to face your giant, I want to tell you, it's not going to work. That giant will still be there. You need to face the giant. The third thing we can learn from Shaul and the men of the army of Israel is we cannot lose heart. Whenever we have a giant that we are facing, it's easy to lose heart and to give up. That's what Shaul and his men did. They gave up. They didn't feel that they could conquer Goliath. 
So they gave in to despair, and their emotions were overwhelmed by what they saw. Again, this was a giant that was nine feet nine inches tall, had a hundred and twenty pound uh, breastplate, a, a spearhead that was fifteen pounds. And sometimes we can look at our giant and we can look at that mountain that is in front of us and we can feel, as I said earlier, that it's insurmountable, invincible, and there is nothing that we can do to defeat this giant. So we give in to despair, which leads us again to ignoring or running and hiding. I would just start hearing thuds. You have to mentally picture the giant falling. A nine-foot, nine-inch guy, who knows how much he weighed. I mean, the, the breastplate just weighed 120 pounds. When he fell, I'm going to tell you, the earth shook. It was a big thud. If nothing else from this message, I want you to start hearing thud in your mind. Thuds of the giants falling. Don't despair. No giant is too big for God. And with his help, you and I can conquer the giants in our life, just like David was able to conquer Goliath. One more thing that we can learn from Shaul and the men of Israel is don't be intimidated. Goliath was pretty good at intimidating the children of Israel. He taunted them, making them believe that he was unbeatable. Every giant that you and I face will do the same thing. The giant will make you feel that it will never, ever go away. They will give you the the impression that they are invincible, that they are too entrenched in your life, and that you will not only have to live with them, but you will have to allow them to dominate and rule over you. Isn't that what Goliath was saying to the children of Israel? Send out one of your men. I don't need all of you. Just just give me one. Well, let's face it. Any of you want to go face a a 10-foot guy right now? If if we had a Goliath here, I said, who wants to go? Who's going to be uh, volunteering? Very few of us. So Goliath was saying, come on, just one. Come on, Gary, come out, fight me. Come on, Dan, just one. I only need one. But if I defeat that one, the entire nation will be our slaves. And so that's what the giants do to us. You're going to serve me. You think that you're going to make me go thud like that rabbi up there is telling you? No, no, no. And the giants are even speaking to you now, telling you, I'm going nowhere. I'm so entrenched in your life. I am so in control. You will have to deal with me the rest of your life. And I will control your thoughts and everything about you. That's intimidation. That's what Goliath was good at. But I want to tell you today, there is a God in heaven. All right. Can I say that again? There is a God in heaven who is alive. And he is a giant slayer. But he looks for men and women, for young men and women, old men and women, who are ready to face their giants. Because with him, we will be giant slayers. So I want to encourage you today to face your giant. 
Let's look at David. So by looking at King Shaul and the men of the armies, we learn those four things we don't want to do. We don't want to ignore our giant. We don't want to run and hide from it. We don't want to lose heart because of it. And we don't want to be intimidated because of the giant. But look at what we can learn from David. And he's the one we want to learn because he was the giant slayer. First of all, recognize that the giant is challenging the presence of God and his promises in your life. And this is very, very important because sometimes these giants, like the thing that my husband's going to speak on next week, fear, they're so entrenched in our life. And it seems like they're such an intrinsic part of who we are, right? And, uh, but they're not who you are. Those giants are standing against God's presence in your life and God's promises in your life. In verse 10, Goliath said, I challenge Israel's armies today. In verse 26, David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine anyway that he challenges the armies of the living God? Every giant you or I face stands in the, in the uh, face of the living God we serve and his promises for our life. When sickness comes into my body, it is opposing the promise that Adonai is my healer. When fear comes in, it obstructs the promise of God that he will give me peace to walk in. When doubt creeps in to my heart, it denies that there is a God who is able to fulfill his word in my life. Every single giant that we face is in direct opposition to who God is in our lives, and to the promises that he has made in his word. God made a promise to Israel. And that promise he made when he called Avraham out of Ur of the Chaldee, he said, I'm going to take you to a land and, and that you don't know, and I'm going to give you that land as inheritance. That promise was passed on to the next generation, to Moshe, who brought them out of of Egypt with the promise, this is the land. Now, years later, here's King David, I mean, Shaul and David, and the land still has not been totally conquered, and the Philistine is standing in the way of God's promise of the land. That giant is standing in the way of God's promise for your life and his purpose for your life. You need to recognize that and not accept it as just an intrinsic part of who you are or of what your life has to be like. What else can we learn from David? I like this one. should be a little shouting here. Know that God has never lost a battle. We talked about this in our youth uh, teaching on Wednesday night. And it just was so exciting as I was preparing, and it just struck me. God has never, ever, ever, ever lost a battle. And David recognized that. That's why he said in verse 37, Adonai who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the paw of this uh, Philistine. God has never lost a battle. And I'm going to tell you, he's not going to start to lose right now today in your life. Uh, 
And Rabbi Michael's message last week, he encouraged us to follow our commander-in-chief, Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, because he always leads us to victory. Know that God has never lost a battle. And when God says it's time for you to face your giant, hear the thud. Hear the thud. The giant's going to fall because God never, ever loses. And if you are following his leadership, you will never lose. Adonai wanted the Israelites to go against the Philistines. And he wants you and me and I to face and conquer the giants that are in our life. We need to trust him that he made us to be the super conquerors. Again, we just did a two-week series on facing the invisible enemy. Now, this message series just comes right after that about conquering the giants in our life because God is speaking to us in this hour about the freedom that he wants us to walk in, and but that we have to engage, again, our enemy, and we have to face the giant in front of us. God has a plan and a strategy for you and for me to defeat whatever giant we are facing. He doesn't want the giant to overwhelm or to overtake us. He doesn't want us to be dominated by these things. He wants you and me to utterly and totally demolish and obliterate the giants in our life. God never, ever loses a battle. And if we're fighting with him, we will not lose a battle. The next thing you can learn from David is don't be influenced by others. Because one or two things will happen. I could clarify that. Don't be influenced by others who are not giant slayers. If it's another giant slayer, you can listen to them. Shaul and the armies, they were not giant slayers. And yet they were trying to influence David. So they will either belittle you and make you feel that you cannot defeat this giant... Or they will tell you how to do it. Yet they are not willing themselves to engage or face the giant. And that's what we see in this story here. King Shaul first looks at David and says, there's no way you can defeat this giant. He's a champion and you're just a shepherd boy. You have no experience. He has won Many battles, he will mop up the battlefield with you. There's not a chance. David's own brothers, when they hear David asking, what is going on here and who's challenging the God of Israel? What does his brother say? Will you go back to the sheep? You know, what are you coming down here trying to stir things up? You, who do you think you are, a hot shot that you're going to do something? Again, other people who are not giant slayers, who are unwilling to face the giants, will always belittle you and tell you it can't be done. You can't slay that giant. You can't conquer it. But if you're persistent, like David was, then they're going to tell you how to do it. Not that they've ever killed a giant themselves, okay? But they have plenty of advice that they want to give you. So, David considered. Uh, David continued to press in and says, I'm going to do this. So King uh, Shaul sees his courage and determination. 
And so he says, this is how you're going to do it, David. I have some armor, and I'm going to put this armor on you, and uh, you're going to go out with this armor and this sword and, and fight, and, and this will help you to win and defeat this giant. But as we read, the problem was the armor didn't fit David. Okay, He'd never worn it before. He'd never used it before. That's not what he was accustomed to. And uh, it was not God's plan. Bottom line, that's really the, the issue here. That was not God's plan for defeating Goliath. As David said, everyone in the land will know it was not by a sword that Adonai won the battle today. People who are not giant slayers will try to tell you, this is how you need to do it. Don't listen to them. Hear the voice of God. Listen to what he has to tell you. And that's our next point. Follow Adonai's plan for your giant at this season of your life. Adonai had the perfect plan for David to defeat Goliath. And we know that David was a man who had a personal relationship with God. We're told of him that he was a man who had a heart after God. And David was a man who listened to God's strategy. And this is one of the first times we see that when he faces Goliath, but it won't be the last time. And over and over again, God gives David strategies and plans. Remember in another place, he is facing the Philistine army, and he's like, well, God, should we go up this way? And God says, no. Wait until you hear the sound of the rustling in the mulberry trees. Then you will go up this way. So David knew that God had a plan. And that plan was for him to take his slingshot and a stone and to go out and face this giant. We know that no military strategist would have chosen this as the way to conquer the giant, but it was God's plan. Often the things that God speaks to you as how to face and conquer your giant, everyone could look at you and say, that makes no sense whatsoever. And that will not bring you to victory, but will just lead you to further defeat and humiliation. But when David followed God's plan, there was a big thud that shook the earth that day. And when we follow God's plans, we too will conquer the giants in our lives. The Word of God gives us strategies and steps to conquer the giants that we face. We need to turn to it. We need to use it. We talked about this again in the last sermon series we did on facing or fighting the invisible enemy because the Word is our weapon to defeat and stand against the giants that we face. And last, I want to encourage us that we need to be confident in God in us. Let's look at the words of David again as we conclude the message here. David answered the Philistine, You are coming at me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I am coming at you in the name of Adonai Sivaoth, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have challenged. Today, Adonai will hand you over to me. 
I will attack you. I will lop off your head and give the carcasses of the army of the Pilistim to the birds in the air and the animals in the land. And all the land will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that Adonai does not say by sword or spear, for this is Adonai's battle, and he will hand you over to us. Amen. David knew he was going to conquer Goliath that day. Why? Because he was confident in God in him. He knew Adonai personally, and from that personal relationship, he trusted God to bring victory to him that day. Friends, victory will never come to us. You will never hear the thud if you don't face the giant. Again, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about specific giants. But I don't care what the giant is. You have to make that decision to face the giant and have the same confidence that David did, the confidence not in yourself, but in God in you, because you have that personal relationship with you, and you know that you know that he will lead you to victory. Whatever giants you and I are facing, we need to be confident that the battle belongs to the Lord. And as we follow him, we can be assured of victory. Friends, there is no power of darkness. Hear me clearly. No power of darkness that can stand up to the eternal, almighty, invincible God, the creator of the heavens and earth. So I don't care how invincible that mountain seems in your life. I want to tell you today that there is a God in heaven who is ready to see some giants slayed. The battle is the Lord's, and he will hand the giants over to us. We need to stand up and say with confidence, you will be defeated. You will be defeated. That's what David said to Goliath. You will be defeated. He wasn't being cocky. He was confident in the God that he served and that he knew. And the same thing for you and I. I'm telling you, start hearing the thud and the ground shaking because the giants in your life are about to be conquered and about to fall. And you need to be able to face those giants. That's the first step, to face the giants and to stand up to them and to say today, giant, or you can call it Goliath if you want, Goliath, today I'm coming against you. And I want you to know that through God, I will be victorious and you will be handed over to me. So let's stand to our feet. I want us to face these giants with the same attitude as David, knowing without a shadow of doubt that these giants are defeatable. They are not invincible. And as I said, over the next few weeks, we'll be studying the word of God to help us overcome giants like fear, doubt, anxiety, etc. But I hope that through this message today, that there will stir up in your heart, and again, that you would begin to hear the thud of the giants falling to ground as we choose to face them. We're not going to ignore them anymore. We're not going to run from them. We're not going to be intimidated or frightened by them, but we're going to face them head on with the authority and the strategy of God, and we're going to see victory. Amen? Thank you, God. 
Father and I, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you that you have called each one of us to be a giant slayer. feel the ground is shaking, God. I feel the ground shaking. I hear the thuds. God, of giants toppling down as you give us strength and enable us to face them head on, God. There's no giant, no mountain. God, that is invincible. With you, we will surely, surely win the victory. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what is about to take place in our lives. As we follow you, our commander-in-chief, and see these giants conquered. I thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. I'm going to close with ironic benediction, and then my husband will uh, officially close with a song. I want to remind you that today... Our prayer is earlier from 1 to 2, just because we need to have a special practice uh, for Friday night service. Hebrew is from its normal time of 2 to 3. So if you're able to stay for prayer, uh, it's a good way to see some giants topple this prayer. So I bless you. I bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. Isa Adonai Panavaleka Vyasim Laka Shalom. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. May you walk in the peace of Adonai. May you hear the thud of giants falling and feel the ground shaking. Amen.
You are.